needs to get to a point where it's just like we're having a Super Bowl party and everyone when they come in just like grab your glasses at the door right and it's just <laughs> like all right everyone now is AR everywhere in this house it's a Super Bowl party Welcome back to This Week in No Code. I'm your host, JJ Engler, here with my co-host, David Powell. We have another fantastic show for you for This Week in No Code. David, are you back in L.A. yet? I am back in drenched L.A. It has been raining for days. It's finally sunny. My goodness. Fantastic. Well, we're glad to have you back in the States. I will actually be in L.A. next week. And and within the next couple of weeks, we will, I think, have the first chance to meet each other in real life in real uh, life yeah yeah, yeah. so uh-huh. looking forward to seeing if you have legs and all that kind of stuff i don't i don't it's actually just i'm basically okay. a talking statue this is <laughs> okay. of me no i had one. a feeling this but i guess we'll have to see in a couple of weeks when i come to la otherwise yeah. listeners thanks for tuning back into this week in no code we have a small new segment for you this week and then david and i are going to get into what it's like running Studio No Code, a no code first agency, what we have found by building this agency, keeping it small, building what, six MVPs, five MVPs in the last six months now, having a lot of success with that, taking some of these MVPs live, working with clients in a live environment, what that requires. We had our pricing plan, whether it's fixed or hourly. We have so much to get into when it comes to running a no-code agency. So we just wanted to take a beat, talk about all that stuff with you. But Mm -hmm. first, let's start with the news of this week with David. Well, hello. Good morning from rainy slash not rainy anymore. Los Angeles (laughs) from the flood zone of L.A., uh, not so much news today uh, to talk about, but let's start with some exciting news. Always celebrate our friends' wins. Zero Code buys Minimum Studio plugins. Seems like the whole set of plugins for Minimum Studio now under Zero Code ownership. Uh, so take a look in your bubble editors. I use a ton of Minimum Studio plugins. I think they're a great dev agency that builds really high quality, really useful, like Right on target plugins. I use a bunch of them all the time. Hero icons, I think, is probably the most well known that everyone uses, and everyone <laughs> saw the bugs that just pushed out because of bubbles changes. One of the things I love about Minimum Studios plugins is they've always been really attentive. Like they've always been yeah. great at pushing updates. Hopefully, Zero Code holds the torch and and pushes this through. So, uh, and there was a lot of them too. There was like what thirty three plugins that they got 33 acquired. Thirty three plugins, yeah. Yeah. Zero Code's scooping them all up. They yeah. seem to be buying every plugin they can, which is nice. It's great. It also is a little nervous that everything is consolidating under one roof, just from an ecosystem perspective, right? We have vendor sure. lock at Bubble. We now have plugin lock in <laughs> with Zero Code. And so I, I hope, just hope they maintain the torch. Yeah, you know, there must be an interesting business behind that. You know, they must be seeing success in the plugin ecosystem. Uh, and they want more of it, quite frankly. And so this is kind of like a SaaS play for this ecosystem where you can, they can charge, recur, yeah. uh, you know, and they have a large audience that they can market to. Uh, and they have the support team in-house that they can use to, you know, manage these. So they, they've done a good job with it. The support has been well for the, the plugins that I've used with them. So mm-hmm. nothing bad to say. I just hope this, they keep it up, keep creating cool stuff. I think on the minimum studio side, 
it was interesting that they let go of all of these plugins, right? On the yeah. 33 plugins, they'll probably continue to build more because that, that's sure just kind of what they do. Yeah. They, they love yeah. doing this stuff, right? But I think it's, it says something about if an agency is also looking to have a, a side business of plugins, you know, if it's profitable or not, if it's time consuming or not. From this, you would assume that, hey, it just wasn't making as much money as they could have been making in the agency route with their hourlies and billables. Yeah. So maybe just focus entirely on the agency and, you know, get a little bit for these plugins and just go all in there. So that's what I think of it. Yeah. I'm not sure why they sold. It's definitely going to be a distraction from building apps for folks, but they need, you need to build plugins for certain things to work, right? You can't just build it right into the app, especially if you're reusing it, you want to use it in a plugin. So I think it's yeah. really smart of them to take what they've built to earn some extra money on the side but once it starts becoming a distraction and once things become stable it might as well you know go get the cash as we're going to talk about you know agencies are cash flow challenged businesses and so mm -hmm. getting a bunch of cash to help shore up some accounts may be great yeah maybe, yeah maybe they'll tell us in the comments what they did yeah well let's move on to the next news with apple vision pro man that looks cool. If it wasn't $3,500, like that's a lot of money to buy. Yeah. And like yeah. from what I am reading is everyone's kind of like, this is the best consumer tech I have seen in years or maybe yeah. ever, but don't buy it yet. Unless you're a developer or like you can warrant just a $3,500 purchase. Like, yes, this is incredible, but like it's a V1 and it's not as realistic. Although some of these videos are so so funny like i love seeing that guy courtside at the the game the nba game wearing his apple vision or walking across the street or ordering food or working on cars like ar is gonna change everything i feel like it's this is just the beginning for ar yeah yeah it's the beginning i don't know i think there's a long way to go before it's really embedded in people's workflow and the price has to just be so much lower I guess certain businesses that have like really high uh, stress on people and their kind of functionality, it might be helpful to have a headset like AR inspections and things may actually improve throughput to justify the $3,500 price. But for the average person, I think it's going to be a little tough. And I think that's how computers evolved as well, right? Like the first computers were at universities because right. they were bulky and slow and didn't do enough for the average person to make it worth it. Eventually the price came down and then everyone took them. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at the iPod, yeah. you know, it started with that big iPod, then it got to the mini and then it got to a point where it's eventually just in your phone. You know, there yeah, wasn't even yeah. need an iPod. So I think it's going to get there. Yeah. You know, I think AR itself has already kind of proven success, at least in like, Pokemon Go. Remember like that fad that was mm. happening where they were using their phones for AR? Like that was They're a huge still playing. thing. It's, it's still not playing. Like, not over. Yeah. Yeah. Still using it. yeah. And it, it just adds this whole new unique element to the world. I was thinking the other day of like you use Apple Vision Pro or any kind of AR where you essentially just reskin your house to make it look however you want it to look. And so it's just mm -hmm. like, boom. I'm now living in, you know, whatever, it's all glass or whatever. Like <laughs> there's a lot that you could do and like really cool things just everywhere with AR. So I yeah. feel like it's just one of those things that it's just going to blow up in the next 10 years for sure. I think we're learning a lot about tech adoption with AI. I think it's following the same trend. 
there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do. There's yeah. very little useful stuff you can do. <laughs> and I think that's where, you know, things need to evolve and people need to figure out how it actually inserts itself more effectively. Like, I think it's cool. I saw a demo of people touring houses on Zillow through the mm. Apple Vision Pro, right? You can just uh, like look in a room. And I'm sure it's pretty good. But again, I feel like a lot of people are not going to trust it and they still have to go see it. Maybe sure. it helps filter out a bunch of things you won't see. Like, oh, I know this one I don't want because I can now see it this way. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, maybe for model home builders that want to like help build your... Uh, showroom like your example or architecture design uh, you can, you, there's so many different industries that can build all this stuff in ar or B vr or whatever and then just say hey throw this headset on here you go how does this look kind right. of thing right like yeah yeah so it's going to take a bit to get there i was thinking the other day it's like it really also needs to be affordable enough where everyone can in your house can have it and even your guests like i was thinking the other day like it needs to get to a point where it's just like we're having a Super Bowl party and everyone, when they come in, just like grab your glasses at the door. Right. And it's just <laughs> like, all right, everyone now is AR everywhere in this house. It's a Super Bowl party. we got all of our screens and everything, yeah. but it's just like you, you can afford to just say, I have extra glasses here. Use this kind of thing. Right. Or you don't leave home without your glasses kind of thing. Right. But why even go over? <laughs> like, I'm well, just, you still want to be, in, yeah, I think you'd still want to be in person. I don't why? know. Maybe you don't even go in person anymore. I don't know. Well, it, it's interesting because this these glasses have come up a, a long time ago, and I always then thought like, so what does a family room look like? Like most family rooms and homes are like TV centered, right? Yeah. Everyone, the couches, the chairs, they all point towards the TV. Well, now it's just like a big circle, <laughs> yeah, right? Like just chairs kind of pointing at each other because it doesn't matter anymore. Indiscriminate chairs <laughs> around the room, it, yeah, it would make the design of the home look better. And it could just save you from having to buy so many damn TVs. So, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, I really like the tracking part of it where you could like set up screens in different parts of the house or the room and like go there. I know it's not perfect yet, but like I really love the idea of going to your stove and placing timers over the pots and then walking into the other room mm -hmm. and seeing your TV and other monitors kind of still in that position. You know, like, yeah, I didn't know that that was going to be a thing. And it is. And it's still like a V1. The tracking still needs to be improved. I think it's just at like 30 frames a second right now. And it needs to get way more than that. But I still really liked that kind of spatial awareness and tracking of it. And it feels very much like this is the first iPod kind of thing. Or yeah. like maybe a little bit more than that because it's quite expensive. But like the first generation of something revolutionary. And it's nice to see Apple innovating again. Because it's been quite a while in my opinion. Yeah, my first thought when you talk about the timers was, oh, great. Now, well, that's cool because now I can set the timer. I don't have to keep pulling my phone out. But then I was like, but then I have to put my headset on. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't, like it doesn't really solve the problem of needing the technology. Yeah. Like to I be think, able to have it nearby, have it on hand, have it charged. I think we're just going to get to that point where we're going to wear glasses and, it, and it's going to be like prescription or regular glasses, but everyone is going to have glasses on. And that's going to be like our phone. That's going to be like, you wake up, you put your glasses on. There's your AR world. Like I, that's where I feel like we're going kind of thing. People and we, there. Yeah. 
yeah and some people will will live there for sure and some yeah. people won't put the glasses on but yeah all right so we started this studio was it august i think it was think right around august. august yeah yeah and we got our first project homemade pretty quickly pretty quickly near the end of august we we got our first project i think we got paid for the first time in september and so we went on to build homemade which was a marketplace mm -hmm. two-sided mvp then we went on to build yeah. district which mm -hmm. was a two-sided social marketplace kind of thing like an information um, social feed yeah a local local government and elections yeah and then we went on to build hire latino mm -hmm. is that the third one which yep. was a two-sided marketplace to hiring more affordable talent in south america uh for like vas and whatnot yeah. And then we went on to build, I thought we had another one too. And we have we almost, well, there were a couple that we were close to, to starting, but I think that's, okay. I'm just looking at the channels in our yeah. black group. I think that's it. And then, and then we have media space, which is our current one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and media space is a two-sided marketplace. So they all marketplaces, just about all marketplaces. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't really call Yistrict a marketplace. Yeah. That's but I, I think I think marketplaces are the vast majority, not the vast, I'd say more than half of all bubble apps that get built through agencies are marketplaces of some kind, some kind of like two sided half, because usually the people that are building marketplaces want to build an app structure, they aren't the ones doing the thing to be sold. And I think it's yeah. a little different with homemade. Because she was like Mackenzie, the CEO, she was already like or orchestrating all of this herself. So she, right. but she's not the chef, like she's not the caterer and she's not an event organizer, but she was connecting yeah. the two. And so I think that's pretty common uh, how many businesses work, especially in the software first world. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then our final marketplace that we're building now is Media Space. That's our biggest one so far, mm -hmm. uh, and that's a two-sided marketplace where influencers can go and list, you know, their podcast availability, yeah. uh, their any kind of sponsorships, and then the sponsors can go in and book those with integrated uh, scheduling and whatnot. And so yeah. that's our current one, and then we have, of course, tons of that we're bidding out and uh, have in our pipeline. But funny, the thing is, been in uh, marketplace. Also, I thought we did more than four. But I guess it's been I know, four. We didn't start off with six, but I guess yeah, was... yeah. But I guess it's been four in about five months, going on to six months now, and we have learned a lot. You know, when we when we first started off, it was our we said what ten thousand dollars for an MVP in four weeks, right? That's like that's the first thing we said. We, the first MVP was twenty, and we then tried and then, to get twenty, but we didn't get twenty the first time. Yeah, well, we were just like, we'll take our it. first message to Twitter was 10,000 in four weeks. And then everyone quickly said, that's too cheap. And so then we was like, all right, 20,000 in four weeks. Which everyone <laughs> yeah, on Twitter also said, that's too cheap too. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, no and so we put that on our website, but we've actually never built an app for $20,000. Exactly it was either 20,000. Yeah, exactly it's either months. below that or over that. The yeah. irony of the fixed price. But the thing that we did kind of keep was that fixed price was, okay, people came to us with all sorts of ideas, all sorts of complexity. And we're yeah. not just going to say it's 10,000 because it's 10,000. We're going to say, you know, this is how long it's actually going to take after we scope it for you and everything. Right. And so yeah. 
we quickly learned, all right, so some of these are going to take longer. Some of these are going to take shorter. We scoped it. We figured out how much it would actually take. And then we added in some small contingency on our side just to make sure it didn't go wrong. And then we gave them a fixed price for that, right? Yeah. And, well, not always. <laughs> the, the real truth is sometimes we just said whatever budget you had will do. It's fine. We just wanted the projects and get, get moving. At least the first one. The, fir the first the two, first, we were uh, like that. I think the first three. Maybe, maybe the first three, yeah. <laughs> yeah basically, almost all of them were just like, oh, you don't have 20? Oh, yeah, that's fine. Like, we'll yeah. <laughs> so and the first yeah. three, we were definitely not – we were beggars, not choosers, and if that's the word you could use it. But mm -hmm. by the fourth, we were just like, okay, we we need to charge what we need to charge, which is yeah, actually – losing. You know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you know with the fixed price, it's good because there are some benefits. The benefits of the fixed price is – all right, you know you're going to make this much. And if you do come in under budget, that's extra money that you, you're making, right? Which is good. Right. Uh, and that's great. And it's if just simple. If you calculate it by hour. Yeah. Right. It's right. And it's hour. just and it's just simple. It's just we're going to charge you this much. and We don't need to worry about tracking our hours on an hourly basis, all that kind of stuff. So it keeps it simple and less complex. But the bad thing about billing by a fixed amount is the estimations are really hard. And development is really hard. Design is really hard. And building a business for the first time with these entrepreneurs is really hard. And so you... Expectation setting and alignment is impossible. Exactly. And so, <laughs> you, you know, you build something and it's maybe 95% there. And it's a really, really good V1. But then sometimes it's like, well, this pixel isn't right. And or now that we see this, we actually want it this way. Or no, we, we saw this. This is good. But now that our users are using it, we want it this way. And all that stuff is fine. Like all that stuff is development. And like that yeah. is what it is, right? That's but the a, hard that's part is where companies keep software developers on staff. Right. Right. Exactly. The software is a living, breathing thing. It always changes. There's always updates. There's always new complexity. Right. And But then with the fixed pricing method, it's just like, well, when do we draw the line of like, this was the functionality included in your V1. But eventually, we got to start charging you more or hourly for this additional stuff. And I right. think that has been particularly hard for us because we want to make sure our clients are happy, right, first and foremost. And we want to help them succeed. And I, I'd say the third thing is, is working with no code, we could just make these changes so quick that it's just not like sometimes worth going and asking for more money when we could just do it in 20 minutes, right? So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd say those are the three things, but it creates this fine line then of like, okay, well, you're then you're then setting a precedence for like what, how work goes in the in the future and what we can ask for, what we can add on, what is charged and what's not charged. And there's that really tricky line, right? So I think yeah. we could talk a little bit about like how do we find that line, which we're still trying to do. And then also the, there's a, another part of it too, which is we have an internal uh, PM, product manager, right? And also the, the amount of work that he takes on to organize us, to communicate back and forth, and how do we pay for him? How do we track his hours? And also, you know, like scheduling and all that kind of stuff. It's just a lot of overhead that goes back and forth with working with a client like this, especially if they're in like a live situation where they expect quicker turnarounds, yeah. you know? So it's, it's new for us of just, all right, we've built a lot of apps. We built a lot of live apps, but and but mostly when we worked with our live apps, they were like our employers, right? And so it's just like okay, they expect a, a quick turnaround because that's what that was our only focus. But now working with live apps, 
that are not our employers and we have multiple, multiple clients, right? I think setting expectations for turnarounds and what we can do for each of those clients is as utmost importance. And I think that's also been hard for us. Yeah, a few different things. First, every client's most urgent issue is a fire for them, right? But we can't manage multiple fires at the same time, right? And, and the level of fire is, is always subjective, right? If they've never built an app before and they haven't worked with things in production and they haven't spent this much time with any other piece of software, they don't know what bugs are normal or not. Right, like we've all worked with apps that have bugs. You just happen to know where the bugs are. You know what's tolerable, like what you can push off, how you prioritize your list. But for some folks that are new to software operations, right, not just not building, they're not building it themselves, but running a software platform, they're not used to having backlogs of tickets that need yeah. to get done eventually, right? So everything always needs to be perfect. Bugs need to be solved immediately, all of that. The second thing they say this about entrepreneurship and hiring. When you hire someone, you have to understand no one will care about your business as much as you do. Yeah. Right. That's the same in reverse with agencies, right? We can't care about everyone's business as much as they do. And we care about the agency, right? Like that's our business. Yeah. Our business is building an agency, not necessarily being their product head or, you know, team. And so, there's always this this trade-off, especially in the fixed price world. And I think this is where things get a little murky. They want us to care about every little pixel, which we should, and we should be delivering, you know, as close to pixel perfect designs as possible. Yeah. But when we're not getting paid anymore for the next little thing that they want to add, it's kind of like, well, it's not really good for our business to do that. Yeah. Like we should be going and earning earning more the next dollar in the fixed price, you know, where, what falls into free work at the end is an open question and never well-defined, right? No matter how hard we try to push, okay, we're approved the Figma, right? Like the first thing we did was, you know, we built the Figma, we handed it off. We're like, Hey, this is what we're building. They add some comments. And then like, as we're going through, they're changing things. And we weren't very yeah. clear that we're only going to hit what's in the Figma. Right. The last project, we were very clear, look at it. You have a week left on the Figma comments before we start building. Nothing else gets added. This is exactly what. But even then, we still had, you know, kind of this, well, they had a different Figma they were also working from. And we were pushing what was there and Figma is a flat design, right? Like there isn't every little interaction. So yeah, is it included? Is it in there? What if things don't look great in, in real life? Like all of those things, right? It's not all designed for every, every screen size. So things look different as they stretch, like all these things. Is it part of what's in Figma? I guess kind of, but you know, if you wanted all these fine little details, one, we should have spent more time designing, which you should have been paying for. And two, that should have been a bit more clear as we're yeah. building. Yeah, you know, it's. I think it's hard because most of the clients that we're working with are first-time uh, entrepreneurs and or first-time tech entrepreneurs, right? And building technology for the first time. 
And I think what things that we do really well is we work with them and we help them find success. We help them plan properly. We help set expectations, right? But that's also hard to do. And sometimes there are things that come up that we didn't actually foresee. And, you know, we learn from that. We get better for the next client. But it's just generally hard to do because it's a hard process. You're like, we're turning out 100 tickets a week, right? You know, for one of our clients. Last week we did 140 tickets. We did 140 tickets in a a week uh, and, you know, with two people. And the amount of contact switching that requires that. And that is also a factor of your development team. Like, if I need to do every single thing 100% pixel perfect, which I always strive for, but I have to do that 140 times, that's going to be really, really difficult, right? And we need to pick what are the most important things here? Where do I spend my time? What is really going to move the needle kind of thing, especially in the V1, V2 world, because it's just not realistic to take every single thing to the utmost perfect pixel because it's just, it's, you're going to be there forever. And then what happens when a user doesn't end up using it and then you trash it all. And then that, that is all, you know, time wasted. So I think ethically uh, that's maybe some stuff that I battle with of just like when, you know, I put something out 98% pixel perfect and then I move on to my other 75 tickets and then they come back and say, Oh no, this is 2% pixel perfect off, go back and do it. And it's just like, it's frustrating because there's so much other stuff that we're trying to do. That's going to move the needle, but understandably at the same time, they're paying for a product and they want their product. So it is one of those things where you just, you kind of need to give on each, each side needs to give a little bit, understanding the situation and the gravity of what we're building for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and, and to be clear, I think a lot, we're venting a little bit, but everyone we've worked with has been very understanding when we explain the situation. And wonderful clients in that way. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's important to set and check in and communicate that, Hey, this is what's happening. Like we can't just keep going forever. And there were projects that we didn't take on because we didn't think we could work with that client in a way that we want yeah. to, you know, like picking a client is really important. Like, cause you're, you're building really advanced technical stuff. And hopefully this is a long-term relationship with each other. Right. And so you need to pick someone that you can be in the trenches with on a weekly basis. Right. And I yeah. think with our four clients, we've been really lucky with that so far. And, and that's part of like the scoping process we paid to scope. And it's mostly because we want to make sure, one, that they're serious before we dedicate a lot of time to them. And two, scoping is really, really important. We need to figure yeah. out what what's involved in everything. And then three, it gives us the time to work with them to see if we want to work with them for a longer term relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we're finally getting some projects that are much longer, not just the build phase and hand it off, which I think yeah. is what we intended when we started the agency side yeah we're like okay great we're gonna take four weeks we'll start day one day 28 we'll never talk to you again right like here's your (laughs) app your mvp is done and like goodbye good luck right and that was kind of the thought i think in what we were starting it wasn't meant to be hey we're just like building this like book of business yeah. And, you know, we're, we're getting to the point where a lot of people are asking about, okay, great. What comes next? And, yeah. and how can you support me in a more rapid environment? Yeah. We Why? want ongoing work. We want ongoing support and we want more features coming. Like we just, we cut what we needed to hit the budget and now we want to add new things. Hey, we've launched. Now we're going to yeah. need X, Y, and Z. Uh, can you help us add these features? And those 
now have a weird uh, trade-off associated with them, right? Because now context switching within an app is hard. Context switching between apps is even, harder, even harder, right? Getting into fresh build mode versus edit mode on a different app is really tough. And so... And also QAing in build mode for a live app to make sure that yeah, your, QA your work doesn't yeah, create managing new bugs. tickets, yeah, monitoring Trello boards, like multiple Trello yeah. boards, and going back and forth on the conversations yeah. to make sure you're clear. There's just a lot of overhead that go, comes with working with that client, even if you're not actually building for the in the moment for them. So yeah, a lot of mental bandwidth, I would say. Yeah, and so required. now we need to think about how we work. And so now we have this trade-off. Okay, great. Context switching is going to be really hard. But now we have a decision to make of bringing on more people, right? Great. Right. Now we have more work, right? It's not just single threaded. We're going to build an app. We look at our two schedules and go, can we do this in the next six weeks? Do we have the time to do this? Let's yeah. just hit the ground running and build it. Now we're juggling a lot more work than we need. And so now we're like, great. How do we scale this like how do we add the first next person right yeah. and what does that mean and what project do they go on the new project do they go on the management project do they go on the next features like right. what is that and then how does it change our margins right in the fixed price world we talked about things going over well they go over because now we're earning less than our hourly rate what we want right but when you start bringing other people in, you actually still have to pay them, right? Yeah, and you so have it to actually goes over, and it actually goes over, right? Like, yeah, in this fixed price model, you take a lot more risk when you add another person because you could actually, you know, the two of us personally can put money into the project to pay yeah. the guy because we're not getting paid enough, right? And that is never a position that we we should be in, right? Like, I yeah. there's no chance I ever want to put money in to finish a project after months of working on that project and then still have to do the work if the work yeah. isn't up to par and then what right like the agency yeah. world you there's no exit multiple based on this asset you've built right like oh we built these six apps that they're not ours we can't go sell them mm -hmm. we just lost a bunch of money and, and I'd rather just sit around and do nothing than work really hard and lose money. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a hard business. And, you know, we have chosen particularly or specifically to keep it small, just the two of us, because we both like building and we, I personally don't want to get into a supervisor role where I'm not building anymore. I'm just working with clients and communicating and, you know, or, or planning sales, all that kind of stuff. Right. Like that's not why I'm doing this right now for, for me personally, I'm doing this to build and keep my skills yeah. top notch and to work alongside of you and, and to, to create some cool things. Right. Yeah. So that was always my intent, but at least when we started, it was, yeah. and then yeah. as, as we've grown, it's now it's kind of pushing us of like, well, we have all this work. What do we do with it? Do we say, okay, we're going to add more people, which then takes us our responsibilities of it changes them. Right. Puts right. us into a different kind of role. Do we want that? Is that going to be, are we going to be pushed into a direction that we want? Or do we say, no, we can't actually take on this work. We start booking out or we just start denying it because mm -hmm. that's kind of where we are at, right? And I think all three of those things are worth a conversation and it depends on what you want personally. But we, we have definitely not tried to grow this thing <laughs> on yeah, we purpose, have been right? Very, 
specific about this is the work we are going to do to fill our schedules to earn what we can. And And even that we only, yeah. yeah, even that we work a piece 20 hours a week because we still have other things that we are still passionate about that we still want to do and not just to have the agency do everything for us. Right. Because I think we've seen a lot of other colleagues where the agency saw, saw success. They went all in on it. And, you know, with each new quarter and growth, the role changed, the role changed. And eventually they were never building anymore. They're not even hiring anymore. Maybe they're just all sales now. And they're doing a whole different thing than when they got started. And yes, the, the revenue month over month is good, but what does that profit margin look like? What does the multiple on it look like? What, yeah. and then, and then at the end of the day, you're not actually doing something, a role that you actually enjoy and you don't want that either. So it's this weird thing of like, how do we grow this thing, make more money, but still do what we want to do and have the life we want to yeah. have. I think that's kind of the dilemma with agencies. Yeah. And make enough money to keep doing stuff that we want to do on the side, right? right. Like if we, if we said, okay, great, we're going to bring on someone full-time and pay them full-time. They have, we have to give them enough work to do, right? right. To stay busy, to pay their full-time salary. Well, that means we're going to earn less. And at what point do we earn so little, not so little, but not enough to pay the bill to make it worth doing because we should have just been doing the work, yeah. less of it. Um, there's like a, a trade-off. Like if it's not our full thing and we'd rather be doing, not rather be, we, we're also doing other things and this is supplementing that income to help, you know, pay everything, pay all of the bills, then, and we're not meeting that criteria. Well, why do any of it do something else that could pay the bills? But the trade-off is while those other things that could pay the bills are a bit of an unknown, right? They're a bit of, maybe it'll work out, but you have to wait another six months before it's earning enough money to pay the bills. Right. And so it's almost like at some point you might rather just do less work, like do less net total work at the agency level so that it's maintainable for just us to do so we can earn enough money without the hiring. Yeah. And, you know, I think Eric from Flywheel Studios recently posted about this and also Jesus as well from Low Code Agency of, you know, Q4 last year was really slow for the agency or kind of vice versa, whatever it may be. But the importance of having three, four, five, six months of runway, should you have an agency with a lot of employees and have a slow quarter or a slow month to be able to pay for all those folks to still work, even though you don't have the clients for it, right? And then it's like, okay, agencies are great for cash flow, that's great. But if you're storing six months of it away for those rainy days, then it's like maybe the cash flow isn't good after all because it's just going into reserves and not your pocket after all with those kind of bigger agencies. And I think that could be a downside should you not have consistent enough sales. Yeah. Yeah. Once you start trying to grow and move out of, and I've said this about what we've built, it's kind of an agency. It's also kind of just like the three of us building stuff together, Mm -hmm. right? As a team, it's not an agency in the sense of, you know, we're trying to scale and add people and we don't have a sales we're just managers sales and, yeah. you know, we're just building. Like we just happen to build apps for folks. Yeah. We know how we're good at it. And so we just build like that's this, the thing we do and we charge for it. 
yeah, I don't know that we have a good really model of how the agency thing works. And I think it becomes a whole nother, and a whole new beast if we try to approach it like an agency instead of just the two of us doing work. Yeah. You know, the most popular model right now is productized services, right? So throw some kind of retainer monthly fee on the services, right? We see this a lot with design joy and the design industry and whatnot. Haven't seen it as much in the development industry, but I do think that it could work. It's a little bit more complicated, but it could work. Some other agencies, no code agencies are charging like five grand every two weeks kind of thing. Or, you know, they kind of split it up into like a weekly or bi-weekly thing of just like, hey, we're going to do two week sprints. You pay for every single sprint you do kind of thing. You can pause at any time. You yeah. know, there's negatives and positives that go with that. But one thing I would say is now that we're doing as much overhead admin product management work as we are doing with this one client in a live environment, those start to make a lot more sense of we need a, some kind of retainer or monthly amount minimum that we can guarantee in order to give this level of service so we can staff accordingly on a consistent basis going forward. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, if it's just still on an hourly or it's still on you know a fixed price here and a fixed price there, and what's all that in between and what's happening there, it's just too hard to, I think, provide excellent service without having that type of retainer in place personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't really plan anything to hire. You don't know how many people you need to hire in three weeks because you don't right. know if there's work for them in three weeks. Right. And it's a little risky even to do it at, a, you two know, weeks. you offer two weeks sprints because yeah. tech, in theory, there's something else. You need a pipeline of deal flow to yeah. really justify that you'll always be growing because then you'll eventually be dying, right? And then you start losing yeah. people and then things get really tight and it's cash flow, right? Like this is not unusual with any service business, right? Like roofers or carpenters, right? You want to build a carpent carpentry business, you hire a bunch of people to help do work. Well, if the work dries up, well, who gets paid? Right. Unless everyone's a partner at the agency and you're just like, great, we're just splitting everything. We're going to try to do as much work as possible to get it done. Like, I don't know how you possibly and yeah. confidently just grow everything without constantly worrying about needing to fire everyone or fire some people and then hire back and loot, shrink and grow. It's It seems dreadful. <laughs> You know, like it's on those quiet months, you might think, all right, well, then we'll just have the team spin up like a new SaaS product or something or yeah. start some kind of other em endeavor like a venture studio or something like that. Like we have the team, we have the capabilities. It's dry right now. Why don't we do something else? But I think kind of what we saw with Minimum Studio early on is like, yeah, they probably have that and they built 33 plugins and that is value that was added. Yeah. But they probably ended up finding out that that took a lot of time. And that took them away yeah. from the core business and that took them away from other things that probably earned them more money. So they ended up just cashing out and getting back to the things that, you know, earn them the most money. And I feel like that is also the dangerous thing with agencies of like, all right, well, it's a, it's a dry month. Let's just spin up our own SaaS product. And then that SaaS product bleeds into the next couple of months or whatever. And instead of doing agency billables, you're working on this for free. And if this doesn't actually work or take off because you need to bring it to market, you need a GTM, a sales team, marketing, et cetera, and all the costs that invest in that, then it's an additional drain rather than additional, right. you know, generator in your pocket and requires more bandwidth than you might be able than you might be able to give it. So, 
it's not just a, oh, it's a dry month. Let's go create something because that comes with a lot of weight as well. Yeah. I, like you just make up a job for folks. Like I think the wall in, in Ireland and Scotland, you see lots of like in the, in the countryside, you see lots of fences, not fences, stone walls. Yeah. Those stone walls are there because it was the great depression and the government didn't want to give money away for nothing. They gave people fake jobs of building these stone walls. Like they just only exist because they needed something to do. And like that kind of happens with this, like, Hey, let's just try launch something. Well, it's probably not really that helpful or probably not going to work out. And I think that's a symptom of every agency, not every agency. The majority of agencies I've known are always one bad month away from converting into a venture studio. Yeah, <laughs> like everyone just would rather be launching their own products, but no one pays until they pay, and they can't fund a hundred new bets like a venture yeah. portfolio, right? They may have time for one, but no one can bet the one because you don't know if it's going to work, right? And so there's there's this tension of cash now versus venture, and this is always the trade off. Like it just seems like that's always the someone's I ah, you know. I'm, I hate this. I wish I was a venture studio or they try to fund it, the venture studio separately, but running a venture studio is very different than running an agency. Right. And so they're, they're competing priorities in time and you just don't really know. Yeah. It's just like, well, why is anyone doing anything? They're trying to get paid. They're trying to, you know, make ends meet. They're trying to, you know, get rich quick. They're trying to get enough to survive, whatever they're, they're a threat. They're, goals are they just they're doing it for the cash like no one's running an agency for philanthropy they're like yeah i just like helping people you don't have to pay me it's fine i'll fund it no one Mm -hmm. no one does that because they all want to make money so that's what they're aiming for first right they're aiming first to go make money and the quick money the quick next project is all is not always but usually there and so you the default is just to say, well, just one more project. This is the yeah. last project. <laughs> but, uh, let's, let's work to put uh, a couple bows on these thoughts. I don't yeah. think we're going to be able to like wrap it up and officially say like, this is what you need to do because I don't think we have those answers for you. We're still trying to figure those out ourselves. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say a couple things, you know, if you do have a quiet month, I like the idea of creating like spec work or some kind of like, go out and recreate this, there's whatever, something so you can show the world the quality of work that you're able to deliver. And if there's like no strings attached, you don't need to bring it to market or anything like that. You can abandon it at any time. That's a good way to just say, hey, look at, we just built all these really cool things. Give us a chance on your next project kind of thing, right? And I think Flywheel did a little bit of that when Flutterflow was doing their competition. They had some downtime. They had just developers put together some really cool Flutterflow templates and apps. And that was really cool to see their capabilities come to life like that. Because sometimes when you're doing client work, most times you can't actually show the work that you're doing, right? So a lot of our work doesn't actually go on to be seen and we need our work to be seen in order for us to get more clients, right? So I do like the idea of just spec work, small little stuff that you can spin up to show what you can do in a short time with very little strings attached and you can punt at any time should agency work come in. I think another bow that we could put on this is agency stuff is tough. It's, it's important to find clients that you enjoy working with, that you can work with. And if you have clients that it's just grinding more gears and it's not working, 
maybe it's just best that you do separate ways because you want what's best for both parties and you also want to enjoy what you're doing right yeah. and if you're if you dislike working with them you know every time you have to work with them then maybe it's just not worth it maybe the opportunity cost of them t- taking you taking them on as a client is not worth it and you should just part ways and find a new client that you know you could work better with and then i think the last thing i'll I mean, say on could, my side to put a bow in it fire a client that's you know, yeah I think the last thing I'll say before I put it over to you for putting some bows on things is make sure that you're not being pushed in a direction that you don't want to be pushed in, right? As new clients come in, as new opportunities come in, there are a lot of dollar signs at the beginning of that. But those dollar signs do route you to a path. You need to be okay going on that path if you're going to accept that deal. And so be very intentional about the work you are taking on, the clients you are taking on, and making sure that it's bringing you to a spot that you want to be in, right? And I think David and I have done a really good job with that. And there's a reason why we're such a small agency still is because we've intentionally kept it that way, right? And so I think we've had a success in that way of, we know that we also like to do more things outside of this, but this is also a major thing that we do. And that also brings us joy in these roles. So for now, that's how we're going to keep it until maybe we are ready to grow. But otherwise, that's kind of our status quo. So what do you think, David? How can we wrap up some of these other thoughts that we've had? Yeah, I think for the agency owners listening, I think lots of people are feeling similar things a lot. I think finding other people to talk to and vent to is, is helpful. It's nice that we both talk, we can talk to each other about this, right? We're not just like the one man show sure. trying to figure it out. We can bounce ideas off of it. I think every client is an opportunity to change a process improve or stop like you yeah. can just say hey we did it we're done that's it we're wrapping if you really don't like it i think life's too short to do things you hate if you can sell clients on custom software high ticket custom software you could probably sell other things as well hmm. uh, and sometimes it's just about you know taking a bet on yourself doing the work instead of outsourcing the work and earning the dollar and putting some feelers out there yeah um and I think make sure that every everything you take is something you can do for six months or a year. Like be prepared to do that. And if you don't see it, don't do it. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot more that we can get into. I don't think we have the time for it today, but different types of industries. We service mostly entrepreneurs, but, you know, if we shift our ICP to, you know, larger corps and what do those services look like and what do those packages work like? I think there's huge opportunity there. Different tool sets that you could use, you know, particularly we are using bubble because that's what we're really, really good at. But I don't think we're just bubble. If there was something that's better for the job, we would look into it. I think generally we are no code, low code studio agnostic in that sense. But our daily driver is bubble because that's kind yeah. of where we've come from. And it does lend itself well to these types of MVPs that we're creating with marketplaces. Right. Yep. So I think all that comes yep. into it, but I do think that being able to have different skill sets and different platform skill sets does open you up to even more work outside of just bubble work. You know, a lot of web stuff coming in, a lot of Flutterflow stuff coming in, you know, all that kind of work could, you know, lead to more opportunities in yep. different areas and different clients as well. That's fair. Yeah. Definitely. So whatever you're doing uh, with your journey, uh, just make sure it's what you want to do in your journey. It's your journey. So do it for a reason. Uh, Have fun with it. Make sure it's taking you to the place that you want to go. 
But otherwise, like we're in a good time right now. Like technology is flourishing. Platforms are getting better than ever. People recognize the need for automations, for efficiencies, for technologies. I think more than ever before. I I think every company is turning into a tech company. So it can't be a better time than what it is for what we're doing right now. Just make sure it's what you want to do. That's all. That's all we're going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And you can always take a break, come back, realize you made the wrong choice and there's going to be more demand. There's always going to be more people building software. No code will still be here. You know, take a chance. All right. That's all we got for you this week. Otherwise, we will see you next week, next week in, in no, code. no Code. See you guys. See ya.